Hello and welcome to Found in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one-ish chapter at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet for me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Good to see you this wonderful morning. Yeah, you too. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. Just uh, noticing on the screen here, my my new mug, one of our friends saw this at a thrift store and got it for me. It's a picture of a labyrinth and it says an amazing beings cup. Wow. And on the back, it has some like encouragements about managing stress and being present in the moment. And so if you're right-handed and holding it as you are, the rest of us see this lovely image and a cone and, and you have like a, a little like cheat sheet of like how to suffer them uh-huh, right. on the other side that's great yeah. i would love more cheat sheet mugs <laughs> yeah that's great that's great i'm i'm just drinking out of a blue mug from the jacksonville inn <laughs> it's a very nice looking mug though Thank it's got a you. nice shape yeah. mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to hold like that's not exactly ergonomic yeah uh, uh but is what is on the inside that matters. Uh, <laughs> well, we are going to be talking this week about Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 17. This is the part of the letter that happens in so many of these letters from Paul, where he just loves listing things in an ex- exhortative way. First part, he's exploring all the meanings of things and retelling the story and then it hones more and more into uh, this cadence of therefores and lists of like the kind of things that lead to other kinds of things and the kind of things you should stick with and the kind of things you should avoid uh so in a in a list like that it's where you find a lot of in this case anyway a lot of individual translation changes each of which are worth a good conversation but there's so many of them all here that we're going to have to we'll go deep on a couple of them but a lot more of them are going to be skimmed so i think it's important up front uh uh, we're gonna we're gonna tell you a little bit more about some of the bigger interpretive paradigms that that showed up more focally here than elsewhere so we'll get into that uh, in a minute. As always, it's worth letting you know if you haven't had a chance to read Brandon's translation. Uh, there, We're going to have it up on the screen for those of you watching, for those of you reading. We've got a link in the episode notes so you can uh, read it there. And if you are a member of the uh, community, if you're supporting this podcast financially, then you'll also have comment access there. So... Uh, We're going to hit pause here on the audio so you can give it a read and so I can set it up for those of you watching. (laughs) We'll be right back. All right. So, Brandon, please give us a bit of context here both in Ephesians and some of the interpretive yeah. priorities. Yeah, well, I think first I remember like last time we were in chapter four and kind of 
looked back to earlier in chapter four and then even peaked a little bit at this chapter, this section here, because um, you just really can't do understanding both for interpretation, but even for like translating words, like one word could be translated multiple ways. You have to know like, what is the context of what we're talking about to help make that decision? Yeah. Um, so I think just like that here, it's really important to remember where we just came from in chapter four. It's all about putting things together with love, building that those connections, assembling all the different people who make up the church into one church, one body, one mm -hmm. temple, mm -hmm. um, all the different images that get used for that. Um, and what does love mean? It's not about affection. It, it's about being committed to the goodness and the benefit and well-being of the people you are loving and taking action to try to pursue that well-being for them. Um, which starts to get into this chapter of like, here are all the things that you want, you need to do or not do that push in that direction. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about the get angry. There are things that should make you angry um, that come out of that shadowed mind or that being the darkness, the ineffective thinking. Right. Right. Um, and don't let the sun set on the cause of your anger. And I think we go more into that here. Like it's really talking about like, yeah, keep holding things up to the light, making sure that they don't get missed, that they're not just get being able to hide in secret, but we keep talking about them. We keep looking at them until they're done away with um, just mentioning it once or twice is not enough. So, mm. but yeah, we'll, we'll get into how, how I came to those connections um, as we go, but that's kind of what I found here. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. So, so should we uh, start with a, a reading one once through? Sure. Start picking through some of these. Yeah. We can maybe start with the first paragraph. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, yeah. It's those first five verses. Therefore become people who imitate God like beloved children and walk with love, just like Christ also loved us and handed himself over for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet fragrance. So sexual exploitation and all uncleanness or greed must not even be identifiable among you as is important for the sacred. Also remove obscenity and harassment or demeaning joking, which is out of line, but practice gratitude instead. Understand this, you who have knowledge, everyone who is sexually unethical or unclean or greedy, which means they practice idolatry, has no inheritance in the reign of Christ and God. Hmm. Some strong words there. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't pull too many punches. Yeah. Yeah. And the first place that grabbed me in all this is the language of sexual exploitation. It's usually fornication or sexual immorality that's the kind of mm -hmm. language that's typically used here um yeah yeah it's uh sexual immorality works it's broad like that um sexual exploitation could be a, li a little more narrow than what it's 
than what the Greek is saying here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a couple of reasons that I went for sexual exploitation instead. Being one, learning that pornea, that's traditionally sexual exploitation, um, shares the root with pernami, which is to sell. Um, so the word that's so. usually translated is something like sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it comes has a, from has the a, verb a, a to sell. That's a hint. Yeah. <laughs> that's a uh, hint. And, and so like porne, that, you know, like the slight changes in the word is a noun that means like a sex worker selling sex. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so pornea has to do with like sex for sale in some way um basically mm-hmm. but but maybe maybe not literally a transaction with money um always so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah fornication however which is what the nrsv uses and I, I i usually like nrsv well enough it's my maybe like least bad option yep uh, yeah. <laughs> same same yeah um but it's one it's it's got some like older language because it was done decade, many decades ago at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, but fornication is just wrong. It, like where, that's what they're saying. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where sexual exploitation may be a little too narrow. Fornication is extremely too narrow. Yeah. Cause it, it um, you look it up in the dictionary and it's like sex outside of marriage. Right. It's just like, you're not married and you had sex end of definition like which is an interpretive decision it's a existing ethical framework that is being imported into this word pornea yeah yeah no i won't go into it too much but i think some of the early church's understanding of pornea anyway uh had some connections with a long list of sexual ethics that are from leviticus I'm going to say 17 through 20. That's what I might be off. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say I might be off by chapter two, but yeah, if it's 17 through 20. So like there's a whole list, including like don't have sex with animals. Don't have sex with family members. Don't have sex with your husband's wife. Like, yeah, just don't like these. There's a lot of problems with all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's some of what's in mind, but um. But I think part of why some of those are problematic is because they're exploitative. So maybe not every single one of them, but a lot. Yeah. So the challenge here is finding what's a phrase that captures, like, what's the heart of what Paul is concerned about here? Yeah. Because it's not just generally right. coloring outside the lines of you know, yeah, it's Elizabethan. Not just like, uh, there are arbitrary lines. rules. Yeah. The guy is using as a test to make sure you measure up and you didn't hit all the boxes. That's not what this is. Like looking in the context, this is about, are you causing people harm or not? Are mm-hmm. you causing working towards people's well-being, or trying to numb yourself and make yourself just like find pleasures at other people's expense period. Yeah. That's that context of chapter four that we we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So translating it in a way that can that leaves the door wide open for and there are some really arbitrary seemingly arbitrary rules <laughs> around sex that 
the internal logic of it is inscrutable. It's just a matter of, well, we're pretty sure God said that. Mm-hmm. So if you can understand yeah. Paul, there's always through, a why there's always a reason why there is like, it's, it, these aren't just arbitrary lists of thou shalt not the, the heart of where Paul is going is humanize one another. Don't reduce each other. Don't other one another. Don't it one another. Always be moving to thou one another is, um, rabbi buber would say yeah that like, that sounds like a martin buber reference it is yeah. uh like that's the trajectory here sexuality that humanizes and honors and has mutuality like these are that's what we want in all relationships all the more so in um conjugal union mm-hmm. so to have it be actually here's just some arbitrary lists is even if that list happens to be correct, let's just work with that. It's not actually forming people to think ethically. Thinking ethically is not right. only having the best memorization of where all the invisible fences are. Mm-hmm. That doesn't form yeah. you. That doesn't form your affections or your critical thinking. Or Learning your some life. rules is good when you just have no idea what it means to make ethical decisions. But at some point, you grow beyond that and yes. start to understand why and be able to make your own decisions mm-hmm. based on the values that you've picked up that those rules helped you figure out, but Absolutely. the rules are not the point. Yeah. Just in the same way that like the stripes on the road are not the actual path or destination. Yeah. They help you f- keep not- you from crashing into something. <laughs> That's right. Or someone else. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyhow. Oh. I think that I think that broad interpretation is going to be helpful to say up front for all kinds sure. of subsequent translations. Yep. Yeah, and when it's fornication, it just gets used as a weapon to instill shame. When it's sexual exploitation, it actually starts to protect people from being harmed, and that's that's one of our commitments. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, a commitment in your translation work has been, and we haven't said it quite very often until fairly recently this way, harm reduction. And mm-hmm. if there's a place where a translation that may be the, the dominant translation uh, can be, it may be equal, equally accurate to the Greek, it may not be faithful mm-hmm. to the Greek, if that makes sense. It may it's not yeah, faithful to, to the, the Greek spirit. in context of yeah. the scripture of to like Jesus the rest and of the Paul sentence. And, it's like yeah. And if if that accurate but unfaithful translation ha- has a legacy of being weaponized to cause shame, alienation, exile, and smallness, mm-hmm. why wouldn't we go with an equally accurate translation it would be um unfaithful to christ for you to stick with a translation just because mm-hmm. it's accurate or, or or dominant if right. it's hurting people right yeah and so one of the biggest takeaways i think that this project has 
brought to the forefront for me over and over again, and I hope other people are receiving this idea, mm-hmm. is, is not that necessarily I have the most correct. We've talked about that before. Like yeah. the, the, just the idea that there could be more than one correct way, that's huge to me. Like, yes. And, there, and deciding between various potential best translations is always going to involve values and pr- what you already understand about the world and about scripture and spirituality and, and God and yourself and people mm-hmm. and all of that's getting pulled into that for everyone, not just me, not just the NET's committee, <laughs> not just the NRSV's committee, uh, everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and there isn't only one way to do it. Preach. So the next line that is worth acknowledging here is actually just the rest of that start of the sentence there. So sexual exploitation and all uncleanness or greed must not even be identifiable among you. Uh, yeah. It's funny that it goes from and to or. It is. What the hell is happening there? Well, I'm not totally sure honestly it's it seems it's definitely intentional because usually when there's a list it's like and 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 there's no commas in greek um or it's or 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 depending on what we're talking about but the fact that it switches is not very common and it seems meaningful Mm -hmm. um there are different things that it could be meaning and so you see that show up in different translations. The NET takes it to mean like one of the, the Greek word chi that's and can also mean like more specifically, like kind of clarifying something, mm-hmm. narrowing it down a bit. And that's mm-hmm. how the NET deals with it. So it takes uh, what I've translated here as all uncleanness as kind of expanding on sexual exploitation so sexual exploitation all uncleanness or in their translation they say uh sexual immorality impurity of any kind um as kind of an explanatory there and then or greed um nrsv or does something weird too where they they lump the first two together like that and then put commas on either side of or greed which ends up having the effect in the sentence of kind of like making greed like an afterthought, like it just like a slight aside. Oh yeah, this is worth mentioning, but we're not going to pay attention to it too closely. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, things like commas are always decisions by the translator. They're not, they didn't exist in the Greek. In fact, not only were there not chapter divisions, verse numbers, there were no commas. There were no paragraph breaks. There were no peer. There was no punctuation of any kind. There wasn't even spaces between the words. Um, really? All of that stuff. Yeah. All of that stuff is added later um, by people who are trying to like, this is what makes sense to us in, as we're looking at it and, and trying to make sense out of it. Yeah. 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 Wow. So you didn't put any commas in there. You just. Or, Not in this part. Yeah. You, you retained the and or. Yeah. Let it stay a bit agnostic. Yes. And some of that is, yeah, trying to like, I'm going to let the reader kind of do what they will with, with this. Um, I tend to think Mm -hmm. that the uncleanness and greed 
are actually more closely connected than hmm. the exploitation and uncleanness. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just me trying to make sense of it. It's not about the grammar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned, it might've been last time that I, I, as I keep coming back to where the word uncleanness comes up, that it has to do with like coming back to uh, ceremonial regulations in Torah about yeah. like, it's, it's not about what's gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not about sex specifically, which at least in the culture I grew up in, we start talking about impurity in church context. You're talking about sex. Yeah. Um, but it really isn't in scripture. No. So it has to do. The context was like, did, does it break this rule? Does it make someone so that they're not allowed to join in temple worship? Mm-hmm. That was how it was being talked about in the day. And Jesus says, nah, that's not what it's important. It's how you treat each other. That's important. And I think Paul keeps up that sense. Um, so sexual exploitation and treating each other poorly or greed. So I, I think that yeah. if, if anything, it, it leans closer to greed, but you know, if we're talking about ex- exploitation versus immorality, it could go with either one, but yeah, it's almost like, so sexual exploitation and all uncleanness, parenthetically greed, uh, could be. or, or yeah. comma, both of which are kind of greedish comma. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like if, especially if sexual exploitation, if pornea is grammatically related to in some way sale or mm-hmm. like problem and it's now right problematic right. sale right or problematic exchange well yeah like greed to like the kind of the problematic way of looking at an, a, a a person of sexual desire for you what we would conventionally call lust um that's related to what happens when I, when I'm browsing like the new MacBooks online, <laughs> and I fixate and I desire, and it's uh-huh. like a, it's it's a not, desire is fine, desire is great, but there's yeah. something else and you weird a, that gets on. You took a turn there. I was like, what are you browsing online, Brent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, laptops. <laughs> yeah, or whatever but, it is you like to. Yeah, but if. It's that context of chapter four again, that yeah. that self-soothing, that numbing, the like just seeking the pleasure of the moment, regardless of how it affects anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether it's greed and taking from them, whether that's literally taking an object or exploiting labor um, or exploiting a body and for pleasure. Yeah. Or seeing something for more or less than what it is like if you Mm -hmm. reduce another human like sex is not something lower than being human i don't i want to be careful there but if you limit no but turning a person into an object that's designed just to please you and not as a relational mutuality yeah yeah there's there's complications there right um and then the the converse of like when you see something that you really wants um like a computer or car or whatever it is that you are really hot for 
You're mm-hmm. seeing it is more than what it actually is. It's it's an inability to see truthfully. So that wisdom of um, mm-hmm. Martin Buber of it, our thing. Do you see others as it or as thou? Right. I think that's close to the heart of what's being seen here in mm-hmm. capitalism and exploitive sexuality. Both go from thou to it. Right. Yeah. It occurred to me that in human trafficking they're generally divided into two types of human trafficking exploiting labor or exploiting for sex Mm -hmm. um, creating modern day slaves right here in the united states yeah being enslaved and often being imported from another country to work in kitchens with with little or no pay um, or other kinds of labor exploitation or teens being shipped up and down the I-5 corridor yep. to be used for sex by people. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think that all fits exactly what we're talking about here. So if we move on to verse four uh, and remove obscenity and harassment mm-hmm. or demeaning jokes, which is out of line, practice gratitude instead. So mm-hmm. those, those three um, obscenity, harassment, demeaning jokes. Mm-hmm. So let's do quick, yeah on those yeah yeah uh obscene you know nrsv uses obscene talk uh nat does vulgar speech uh they're fine it's kind of outdated for vulgar um but obscenity or obscene if you look in the dictionary we use it to mean something do you mean a lot of things kind of casually, but the actual meaning of the word does specifically have to do with like sexual grossness in the English word obscenity, the English word obscenity. Yeah. And that's a reflection. The reason that's an appropriate translation is because that's what the Greek word here means too. Um, it is specific and the con and the context too pushes it even further in that direction here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just like, like don't use obscene language like don't say shit for instance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's i mean that may or may not be a good direction whatever that's not what we're talking about here it's specifically about being sexually inappropriate in some way like there are words that like it, it's not like when paul says you know don't don't be obscene don't use obscenity it's not you know i've got in mind some words that haven't even been developed yet, but in every right. language, there will be words that God will kick this shit out of you for saying the word <laughs> shit. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. Like that's, it, it's reducing it to Paul as baptizer of um, whatever pol- means politeness in a given culture. Mm-hmm which is so boring and small and often racist. Yes. Also that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) What is it? What what is the Greek? I have to look it up. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to know the word, but like, what's the spirit of. It's the sexual grossness. It's, you know, you're not going to find that in a resource as the definition, but yeah, but that's the heart of it. Um, which isn't about like you do something sexual that grosses me out like in your it's like no you're doing something like 
someone like Louis C.K. Mm. masturbating in front of someone else is in, basically a form a, a of assault other in a non-consenting person. Yeah, in a power that's relationship. Yeah. Obscene. Yep. That's sexually gross. Like, don't do that. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we're talking about here. Not like you do a sexual position at home with your partner in consenting that I would find gross. So you're obscene. That has no, that's not, that's not what it's it's talking about. about. It's not that you have a partner that I would not be attracted to. Yeah. It, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, So it seems like harassment is a similar, is kind of related to that in some way. I mean, it, it goes beyond sexual. So what's, yeah. What's this next word here that, yeah, traditionally it's foolishness, um, mm-hmm. which isn't again like we talked about earlier. It's not wrong per se. It's kind of meaningless at this point. Um, foolish talk. Yeah, you can call anything. Yeah, foolish. Yeah. The the Greek is moralagia, so like it's a compound word moros logia, like where we get the word moron, um, <laughs> which literally means like thoughtless without thought um so another way to translate this would be like thoughtless speech or maybe impulsive speech or careless speech Mm -hmm. um but then thinking context both in this spot here but also how foolish moros is used throughout the scripture it's not just like wow that guy's not very smart um, it really is consistently throughout the entire scripture of doing actions that ha- cause harm. Yeah. Yeah. So here it's saying things that cause harm, um, and harassment might be, might be too narrow, but that is, that's kind of why I went with it and having this context of a lot of sexually specific harmful ways of talking mm-hmm. uh, is what led me to go with harassment, mm-hmm. but it, it could be thoughtless speech or thoughtless something or too. reckless or brainless. Yeah. Impulsive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying something without thinking about the fact that this might feel demeaning for this person degrading in some way, harmful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which so, leads us into the next one. Was demeaning yeah. Joking. Demeaning joking. Yeah. It's usually coarse jesting, yeah, which, crude joking, right? Which are all just really archaic English, I think. Um, you know, we, we still use the word crude, but but and vulgar a little bit, coarse, not to mean that. Talk about it like the physical texture of something being coarse, Same. maybe, but yeah. Um, but yeah, the point of it isn't again, it's not that it's I said the word shit like in a joke and mm-hmm. it's it offended somebody like and and, and saint paul yeah. is like how dare you <laughs> right it, it is joking about someone saying a joke intended to make someone uncomfortable or that makes someone feel less than whether it's intended or not um it's not okay and that doesn't mean that you're a bad person if you tell a joke and didn't realize that it would make someone feel bad. Mm-hmm. But once it's brought to your attention, stop it. Don't defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Stop it. 
there's a proverb. I, I thought about looking it up, but I forgot to do that. But somewhere in Proverbs, it specifically says like, it's not okay to use the excuse. I was only joking. Yeah. It's such a common news, a joke. It's like, well, yeah. you yeah. are lighten up snowflake. It's like, no, it's not okay to harm people with your words. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a virtue for you to be able to make those jokes. And it's not a like weakness or problem. It's not my problem that I was bothered by right. you making that joke about that kind those people or that person. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Cause it's out of line. Yeah. So demeaning really gets at like, yeah, like mm-hmm. it's, it's stretching the Greek, but it's actually more faithful to the broader flow of what Paul, the kind of stuff Paul is talking about here. Don't yeah, abuse each other. Like don't Gentiles don't make jokes the Greek. about the Jews. It's, don't, it's yeah, don't make crude. I think that's the point of it is that it's demeaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's see, do we want to do sexual and ethical here before getting into the next paragraph? Yeah. Which it's, uh, that's another one where it's like, I'm going to try this out, see how it goes, but I'm not uh, fully confident in it either. Um, it's related to the word that I did earlier as sexual exploitation or that mm-hmm. traditional sexual immorality, mm-hmm. but it's one of those variations, right? We talked about pernami being to sell, porneia being this sexual immorality exploitation, porne being a, a female sex worker. This is pornos, which could be translated as male sex worker, or perhaps someone involved in it, like a, a pimp uh, or John, someone who's benefiting from the sex work in some way, mm-hmm. whether it's as the seller or the buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, so, but in general, someone who's sexually unethical, um, I think those words porne and pornos both for the sex workers of either gender um either grammatical gender can be used kind of metaphorically to mean someone engaging in these like exploitative practices yeah in a lot of contexts um so it's not as narrow as literally someone who that's their way of making a living um but it could be it absolutely could be because mm. that, that's mm-hmm. the literal meaning of it. But. Hmm. Great. Well, let's move down to this next paragraph, shall we? Sure. Uh, we're not going to read what we have at the very bottom of, on the screen there. That's going to be more for reference. Um, yeah. Which is which the for e- people listening. Yeah. Is, is the ESV's version of this. Yeah. The English standard version, which is the extra sexist version Am I making a coarse joke or am I being accurate? Let, <laughs> let the listener understand. Um, I think you might be uh, being in the light there. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it, this, these, these lists and these sequence of translations, it's going to be really helpful to be able to just quickly see and catch the contrast uh, of especially one, one after another, after another, like some of you watching, if we were going down a, a path, you didn't care about you probably already hit mute and read through all this uh but we're gonna go ahead and do that now um brandon can you read 
verses six through 17, please, in your translation. Yeah. Let no one deceive you with empty words, because these things are the cause of God's anger toward those who refuse to be persuaded. Therefore, do not become co-participants with them, since you used to be darkness, but now are light with the Lord. Walk like children of light. The fruit of light consists of every beneficial thing and justice and truth. Seeking to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not be co-participants in the fruitless actions of the darkness, but even expose them instead. It feels shameful even to speak of the things they are doing with secrecy, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, since everything that becomes visible is light. That's why it says, wake up, you who are asleep, get up from among the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, watch attentively how you walk, not like the unwise, but like the wise, making the moment count since the days are full of oppression. Because of this, do not be oblivious. Instead, make the connection about what the Lord's desires are. Word of the Lord. Hmm. So that first, the first phrase that we've got highlighted on the screen is, because these things are the cause of God's anger. The ESB mm-hmm. has it as, because of these things, the wrath of God comes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is not wrong. Um, yeah. I made a couple of decisions there. One changing wrath to anger, because again, wrath is just importing like 400 year old English into a current translation, which is not an appropriate thing to do. Um, this is the word wrath or gay in the Greek is not, uh, not specific to God. And in our current context, we talk about anger is, is that feeling that that. uh, Yeah. 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 So it's also just a religious technical term, right? There's so many, there's entire religious constructs built around like we are objects destined for wrath and Mm-hmm. Christ's death saved us from God's wrath and it's an expression of God's glory and holiness and justice mm-hmm. that the only way like God's God's anger, his righteous response to brokenness and evil, whatever it is, harm, harm and mm-hmm. alienation um, is a wrath that must be resolved. It's a really like, I need violence to get this out of me. I'm so angry about the violence that I need more violence to get over it. Yeah. And like, what a crazy system this is. Yeah. So to just like, let's just change that word. (laughs) We're just not going to let, give the devil a foothold here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not really about changing it. It's about like making it more accurate, honestly. It's yeah. not like, oh, that's the right word, but I don't like it, so I'm changing it. It's right. It's more yeah. accurate, and it's it's also harm reduction. Like mm-hmm. we're not gonna yes. we're not yeah. gonna leave the door open for any of that bullshit. No. Yeah, I'm not like le- giving a platform for the false accuser. There it is. Yeah. Um. The other change in this little bit is the the phrase "cause of God's anger." Um, mm-hmm which I did to make it reminiscent of cause of your anger in the previous verse, but it is a different wording in the Greek, Um, but it still works. The 
where they have for because of, it's still saying that these things, because of these things means these things are the cause of the wrath of God in the ESV right. link, right? Yeah. So I just kind of moved it around a little bit to highlight like, hey, there's a connection here in what's being talked about. That's great. Uh, next thing you changed here is those who refuse to be persuaded. It, you, it's conventionally the sons of disobedience. Yeah. Right? God comes upon the sons of disobedience versus because these things are the cause of God's anger towards those who refuse to be persuaded. That's mm -hmm. a, that feels like a change. <laughs> yeah, a couple of changes. The sons of is a, is a really common idiom in the Greek, uh, meaning those who have kind of committed themselves to a way of being. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of like American Revolution talk about the sons of liberty. Um, yeah. It's like they're committed to pursuing liberty kind of at all costs, right? You know? Yeah. It's a way of being human. Yeah. So. The Proud other, Boys. Yeah. Other trends. <laughs> Please no. Sorry, um, no cursing. No, no coarse language here. Right, right. Um, yeah. So other like the NET and stuff do those who are disobedient or something like that. Um, they don't mm -hmm. bring it trying to clarify that the sons of is an idiom and not like somehow literal mm -hmm. but the word is not just like it, it really has to do with being persuaded um so maybe being there's a connection between obedience i suppose and persuaded if the person doing the persuading is your boss uh and you're disobeying a direct order or something, you know, like, yeah, there is a connection there. Um, but the, the word itself in the Greek has to do with being persuaded. Mm -hmm. um, so it's those who refuse to be persuaded, which starts to make me think of like, when you call people out and they're just like, no, that's you don't, don't put that on me. Like, uh, or like just yeah, dismissing something as fake news when it's like, no, I just literally reported the fact Right. Yeah. Just because it was inconvenient. Yeah. That's, and I so, think, go ahead. I'm just amazed at the, the Greek. Cause when I first read this, I thought persuaded versus disobedience are totally different. They're very different. Disobedience is like mm -hmm. a, a law rule. Um, lane keeping kind of word. It's a helpful word mm -hmm. persuaded. That's just different. That's about like, conviction and belief and yeah maybe more like in this context about conviction um rather than just like i believe this piece of information versus this piece of information mm -hmm. it, it does have to do with how my understanding influences how i live um yeah okay yeah yeah but you're saying the, the greek is more in the direction of the, the apprehension than um Rule keeping. Yeah, being willing to change your alignment, your allegiance to, to a way of being. Huh. Um, and where I actually first made the decision to translate that Greek word that way, um, as opposed to obedience, was earlier in Ephesians in chapter two. So I wanted to kind of bring this up. Um, okay. This, that put it in some context. So Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 reads, It is you who were lifeless through your shortfalls and deviations which, with which you used to walk 
conforming with the age mapped out by this world system and conforming to the standard of the one who rules by the authority of the lowest atmosphere and the spirit breath now at work in those who refuse to be persuaded. So it's those who refuse to be persuaded are the ones who are still aligned with the way of the world, the yep. world system, fitting it and conforming to that standard of being, uh, to the standard of the authority of the lowest atmosphere, which could could be the false accuser, could be Caesar in this original context, could be yeah. other current equivalents to, to Caesar in, in that setting. Mm-hmm. Um, however you want to look at it, it's in opposition to the way of Christ. Yeah. Um, and having that commitment to being conformed to that way of being and refusing to be persuading to change that to be conforming to the way of Christ. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the next two go together. Uh, therefore, do not become co-participants with them and then do not be co-participants in, in verse 11. Right. Uh, in ESV, it's do not become partners with them or take no part in. That right. doesn't seem like a big change. What What sticks out to you about it? Yeah, it's... And then like NET does do not be sharers with them and do not participate in. Yeah, it's not a huge shift. Not consequential. Why? But not by itself, yeah. The idea though is not about like do not become partners with them. Um, has feels to me like it's like don't have any connection with them at all. Don't interact mm. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's much more about don't do the things they're doing along with with yeah. them. Um, so it's a very slight shift, but I think it matters. Because um, it's not about who your friends are or who your coworkers are. It's, it's about what are you doing that's the same as what they're doing or maybe even enabling them to do it. Yeah, and it. I think there's a... a one thing I appreciate about this shift is there's a wider sense in scripture that um, there are there are energies and momentums that we can participate in and and um, have resonance. Our lives, our affections, our desires, our communities can have resonance in there. Mm-hmm. We can participate in and have the energy of malice and harm and alienation and uh fear and blame and shame mm-hmm. or we can part- like be co-participants as saint peter says partakers of the divine life right and and be participating in the life of the christ in the renewal of the world and bearing witness to the crucified one um and mm-hmm. justice mercy kindness humility all these things um these are these are like almost latent energies in this amazing created world. So participation language, co-participation language is I think just mm-hmm. truer of the kind, the way that the divine work works and what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. So it does have, I, it cracks the door open helpfully to me to some commitments I have from you know, reading folks like Tayard and <laughs> others. Yeah. yeah. Ilya Dilio. 
shout out to her. Um, oh, yeah. Always a good shout out. Yeah. I didn't know you've read her. Read I enough? haven't. I've more heard her be a guest on podcasts and stuff like that. Oh, she's but, so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, now that I've fanboyed enough about Ellie Delio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's so good. Uh, verse 12. Uh, yeah. You have it as, it feels shameful. Mm-hmm. And the extra sexist version has for it is shameful to even speak about these things. Right. Shame is a big theme for you. It is a big theme for me. And it's. Uh, if we're talking about harm reduction, hmm. probably mm-hmm. every single choice towards harm reduction is really a choice towards removing shaming from the text. How does this so, do that? Well, the thing is that in the ESVs, it is shameful. It really sounds like a judgment about like speaking of things is bad. Don't do it. Mm. <laughs> um, which is, I think, the opposite of what it's actually saying here. Like it keeps read talking the rest about, of the sentence. Right. Like bring it into the light. Don't let it be a secret keep saying it up, wake up to it, like pay attention, make, make sure it's known. And then, but, but don't talk about it. What? Be ashamed yeah. of talking about it. Even like hide away. Don't shame. Mm-hmm. Don't shame yourself by talking about it. That it makes no sense. Thing is shame is an emotion. Speaking about something can't be an emotion per se it can be something that inspires an emotion that prompts an emotion um so if i were to put in the word embarrassing here it is embarrassing even to speak of the things they do in secret i think that's what it's saying like things are not shameful thing right feeling they they cause a feeling feeling. maybe yeah right um it's embarrassing even to speak of the things they do in speak in secret. But if anything is supposed to light, it becomes visible and becomes light. So speak about it, even though it feels embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I put, added the word. I did add the word shameful because shame is an emotion. It feels shameful. It feels embarrassing even to speak of the things that happen. Mm-hmm. And it, that turns it from to like a description of what's what it's talking about rather than a judgment and a command don't do it it's bad and and i think even though that's not explicitly what the esv is saying i almost i guarantee you that's how everybody reads it yeah yeah all right we've got four left here so in verse 16 uh, you have yeah. making the moment count, and mm-hmm. ESV has making the best use of the time. Right. Uh, any cheetahs taking advantage of every opportunity, um, which I kind of like also making the moment count, taking making the use of the opportunity. Uh, the It's a small shift, probably fine, but the making the best use of the time to me feels like an, kind of a like 
an ongoing way, I guess. Like, whereas the word is Kairos, not Kronos. Oh. Kronos being kind of like the concept of time as it moves forward. Mm-hmm. And Kairos being a specific point in time. Um, so make the moment count. Maybe make mm-hmm. each moment count. Uh, since the days are full of oppression. So you got to like make decisions that are actively doing the things, counting in the ways that this paragraph is talking about, of bringing things to light, bring, leading towards well-being for everyone, right? And justice mm-hmm. and truth, bringing things to the truth. Like, so rather than just like making the best use of time feels a, lot, a little bit like just don't waste any time. Don't be idle. Don't right. Don't lounge around. Be productive. It doesn't explicitly say it, but that's kind of the feeling I get from it. So. Sure. Well, the, the next phrase is because since the days are full of oppression or in the ESV, the days are evil. Right. Yeah. And we've talked about this, especially in, in Matthew. Um, oh, yeah. But it's worth yeah, coming back to that. Uh, I don't ever use the word evil. It's it's outdated and unnecessarily like judgmental. Um, oppression isn't good. Let's, so there, there is some judgment worth doing, right? Um, but it's not about just like, <laughs> like supervillain kind of evil, right? It's it's talking about like hardship, oppression, uh, that kind of things like situations that cause harm um that's what it's talking about that's what the word means uh paneros and back when all we like started like really firming up the kinds of english words that we wanted to use as technical terms you know 400 years ago uh that's really a lot of what evil meant was like hardship Um, Mm -hmm. so um not only, but it's part of it. So I think this is a more faithful to the word paneros, sure. oppression. Um, yeah, the next one being oblivious, it goes back. It's the same word that we talked about earlier with harassment. They're like um, or foolish. Yeah, it was compound before. It was like foolish speech specifically, mm-hmm. foolish talking. This is just foolish um the, that but that like i said earlier that core meaning being like thoughtlessness carelessness okay um impulsivity maybe um and fitting with the like darkness and light metaphors the sh- shadowed thinking imagery from the previous like so don't be oblivious don't be thoughtless in like just refusing to pay attention to what's happening here mm-hmm. but pay pay attention to what's being illuminated as you're exposing things to the light. Mm. And Mm. engaging in making those connections about what you're seeing and what the Lord's desires actually are. Yeah. So that that's the final phrase instead, make the connection about the Lord's desires are instead of, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Yeah. Yeah. The word there's like, there's several different words that can be translated as understand. And the one here specifically has to do with putting things together, making connections. Yeah. Um, so I, I like using make the connection to translate that word specifically uh, mm-hmm. for that reason. 
um, it makes it more active. Like it's, it's something that I'm working to do mentally. I'm making the connection versus like, just understand it's, it's kind of like you do get or you it don't. into your head. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's, I don't know that I have a choice whether I understand something or not. I can work toward understanding, but just yeah. like deciding understand or like, okay, how, how would that work? But yeah. And then the, the other big change here is instead of what the will of the Lord is, you have what the Lord's desires are. Right. Which we talked about some in our first episode in Ephesians, um, mm-hmm. that, that word that traditionally is translated will when it's about God is no different than just wanting to, or desiring something when it, that's used about anything and everything from the, like, I want another cup of coffee to, I, I really have a strong desire to grow in my f- understanding of scripture or yeah. I want to like be a better husband or like all these like much larger kinds of things. You know? mm-hmm. It's the same word. It's such a, I guess the circles I spent some time in had such a fixation on like, what is the will of the Lord? And how do I know that I am in the will of the Lord? How do I know what God's will is for my right. life, for this situation? Right. And, and there's only one option, but a 10,000 wrong options. Yeah, yeah. There's only one right way. The, the Lord has one will here because a will is a, um, it's understood as this like one outcome and me getting a path towards that outcome. Mm-hmm. And you gotta, you better figure it out which makes God, God just the most disappointed thing of all and <laughs> conceivable because yeah. what? Um, so if you're training, training, if, if we're being formed by this story and by one another to figure out what the will of God is there, it's so fundamentally anxious and narrow. Mm-hmm. If you learn to, make the connection about what the Lord's desires are, what the, what God's affections, longings, and dreams are. Mm -hmm. You have much more flexibility. It's not, it's the difference between learning what to think and learning how to think. It's learning how to feel as God feels and try to discern Mm -hmm. the deeper hopes of God. Right. Yeah. And it's not about like in at 10 51 AM on a Friday morning. Yeah. Do I, am I supposed to talk about this line on the page or this line on the page? And if I choose the wrong one, God's going to be mad at me because it wasn't God's will. It's the context. Like, do I choose ways of interacting with people that cause harm and are just meant to satisfy making me feel better in the moment Mm -hmm. or do I choose ways of being that seeks good and well-being for everyone and puts and bridges connection and brings people together. That's the context of this. That's what this is talking about. God's making the connection, but that's what God's desires are. Come on. Yeah. Well, my desire. Yeah. Yeah, It was like, we're out of we're out of material here right we, yeah my <laughs> desire is to keep this going in another week yeah um and to do that we're gonna have to wrap this episode up 
Right. And we're doing that here, mm-hmm. even though in most translations, this is in the middle of a paragraph. Um, yeah. Which we'll talk about next time is grammatically incorrect. Like I was, like I've said, sometimes <laughs> there's like multiple different correct ways to do things. It's not so here. The gram- grammar demands that this is the break between thoughts. The will of the grammar is yeah. obviously there's here. no, like I said earlier, there's no like paragraph breaks formatting wise in the Greek, but thought wise, this is where the thought breaks. Yeah. Um, and what's on the other side of that break? Find out next week. That's right. Uh, uh, so thank you as always for your company for this leg of the journey, everybody. The easiest way to support Found in Translation is to leave us a rating or review or a thumbs up uh, or a share uh, in whatever app or platform you're experiencing this on. Uh, that makes it easier for more people to find the show. And if you want to throw in some words there with a comment or a share or a review to let other people know what these conversations mean to you all the more so. Second best way to support this show is to become a sponsor. You can do that for just $5 a month. When you do that, you get comment access on the translations Google Doc and the satisfaction of knowing that you are supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the show notes. Today's music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Found in Translation was produced by Perry FM on on an unceded Chinook land. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye, everybody.